Welcome back to the Middle Tech Podcast. You got Logan Jones here with Evan Knowles recording out of Awesome Inc. Uh, as you can see, our setup is a little bit different today. Uh, this is all the wires and equipment and software it takes to record remotely and do with video. And my poor computer. <laughs> <laughs> I was running. I was running Chrome, Zoom, and Adobe Edition at the same time, and my computer handled it. It did it well. Cool. So, yeah, man. What another crazy week. Well, this is our third episode since all this happened, maybe? Yeah. Third my, <laughs> my dad had a good comment. I just talked to him on the phone. He was like, it's Groundhog's Day. Like the movie. What? The movie. You know, where he keeps oh. waking up and it's the same day over and over. It's just, oh. We're just repeating. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody at work said it was uh, March 23rd the other day. Or March uh, 32nd the other day. <laughs> That's what it feels like. But, you know, we're staying positive. We had a nice sunny day today. It was warm. Um, so, you know, life's, life's not terrible. <laughs> yeah, it was a good day. And we just uh, before we got on here, I've got the I had the hiccups earlier. We just smacked some Joellas. Yeah, we did. Inhaled it. Yeah. Uh, but the cool thing about that was, Joellas is only taking orders on DoorDash and on their website. And so I went to the website, and it was powered by Easy Chow. Big shout out to Easy Chow. We we'll need have to get, get them, them on here soon. Yeah, need to get them on for sure. Local uh, local startup, doing big things, which is awesome. They won five across finals, right? Modern I think so. Yeah. 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 Last year. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, we just recorded remotely with uh, Shane Sloan of Nursing CE Central. Um, what do you think of that, Evan? Uh, it's really amazing how much traction and how great of a product he's built, you know, basically by himself with some contract engineers yep. that are international yep. off of Fiverr. You know, it's just amazing what he's Packed built. It so, you know, he's, he's building a continuing education platform for the nursing space. So nurses have to take so many credit hours mm -hmm. beyond, you know, the regular job and the previous websites that were doing that and the previous products and companies just weren't cutting it for him. So he built his own. Yeah. So we met Shane at five across, I guess this was the most recent one. Um, Evan, you actually mentioned on the episode, this was one of the, the best five acrosses that we've attended in terms of the talent there. And well, just to say this, Shane didn't even win that one. Nursing CD Central didn't even win that one. And they're an incredible company with incredible traction, yeah. which is, I think is pretty cool. Pretty cool to say. I mean, sorry, Shane, that you didn't win, but, uh, the fact that he has a company that, that legit and still does not win five cross speaks, speaks volumes about how awesome of an event five cross has become. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't even like the talent level that was great about that one. It was the fact that all of the companies, as far as I remember, had like legit traction and revenue. Yeah. Like legit. Yeah. I remember we always get on the phone with our guests before recording and just kind of get to know them a little bit. Um, and we talked to Shane and you and I got off the phone and we we're like, oh my gosh. Like, how has this not been talked about? How is there not some awareness of this company? So we're super honored to be, uh, to be one of the first to have him on and give him some clout. Yeah. Like he I mean, deserves he, it. Big he time. deserves it. I mean, like yeah. we said, he did, he's done this when you, listen to the podcast and listen to, you know, how many users they've acquired and mm -hmm. the success they've had. And then you realize that it's just been him. Yep. It's like unbelievable. I think my favorite part of it is when we start talking about, uh, how he's helping out with the COVID-19 response effort. Yes. You know, there's, I mentioned this in the, in the episode, but there's, there's a lot of Kentucky startups doing a lot of really cool things, uh, to help out by either giving ser services for free or, um, using their product in, in a different way. And Shane is one of those companies that he hadn't gotten the attention for it yet, but it needs to be called out. He's doing some really, really cool things 
uh, for nurses who are at the front lines battling this. So uh, I'm excited for you guys to get in there and listen to it. Um, give Shane the credit that, that he deserves for doing something so cool. And, spread the uh, word. Yeah, spread the word. So let's go ahead and get into it. guys you got evan knowles and logan jones from the middle tech podcast we are recording remote today yeah we had to we got creative yeah we got creative today crazy times call for creativity yeah. you killed it with the setup here good job yeah. hopefully we'll we'll cut to that camera angle right there and you can see all this <laughs> madness that's going on that's hopefully figured. my my biggest concern is that my computer doesn't explode during this I'm, I'm running an adobe software and also running zoom and also running uh, Google Chrome. <laughs> so, um, my computer is usually pretty good, but it's probably going to be pretty bogged down. So we'll see how the audio and, and video holds up for this. But yeah, uh, we're, we're sitting here remotely, uh, with Shane Sloan of nursing CE central. How you doing Shane? I'm good, man. How you guys doing? We're good. Um, thanks for being a little flexible with us and, and being able to do this remote and all this craziness. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you guys, man. Yeah, absolutely. So do you want to just go ahead and dive into your background here, give us a little high-level overview of where you're from, what your education was, and where you are now? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm from eastern Kentucky, Pikeville to be exact. It's just kind of a, I guess it's probably a large town in eastern Kentucky, but a small town as things go. And I uh, grew up there, went to college at Eastern in uh, Richmond, and then uh, moved to Lexington for work, and then ended up going to grad school here in Lexington. And uh, we've kind of stayed here. It's a nice city. We really like it. It's, you know, it's a good mid-sized town. So, yeah. Awesome. Um, talk a little bit more about uh, going, going, you said you went to EKU, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, talk a little bit more about that and what your what your education background was was with that. Yeah, yeah. So I did nursing there at EKU. Um, it was just kind of a general bachelor's degree in nursing. Um, nothing too exciting there. They got a really grueling program. It's it's a good education. It's very rigid, but but you come out very well prepared. And uh, I think I think it really did set me up for success in the future. Awesome. And you went straight into nursing. Which which hospital? Where'd you where'd you start practicing? Yes, I started at Good Samaritan, which is you know UK's kind of a, a sister hospital there. And um, yeah, I pretty much started practicing at the same time I started my graduate program. So that was a that was a fun time. Yeah, and what what like what how did you gravitate towards nursing in the first place? What made you want to do it? Yeah, yeah. Um well, that's a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> um you know, I don't really talk about this too much, but I had my brother, he got really sick when we were younger. And uh you know, as a big brother, you always want to be there, you always want to take care of your brother. Well, he he had to be in the hospital a lot, and so I couldn't be there obviously. And uh you know, the most amazing thing for me through the whole thing was the nurses, you know, they were there, they watch over your family like they're your own. And uh, they really give you a lot of comfort when you can't be there, you know, knowing somebody cares about your family members. So I just kind of saw what they did for me, for my family. And I said, you know, man, that's, uh, that's pretty cool. So I decided I wanted to try to do that for somebody else. Wow. Yeah, that's an awesome story. And yeah. how long were you practicing before you started to realize there were some problems in the industry related to the ongoing education? Uh, and, and what, what did you, what was your first, first thing you did? 
Yeah, so I think, you know, at first you're just trying to get your head around how to practice and everything's going on. But, um, you know, in most states, Kentucky included, you have to get this this mandatory education every year. Some states, it's every other year. Um, I learned pretty quickly that it was really just like a, a checking the box. You know, nobody was actually taking anything away from the education. Everybody dreaded it. It was just kind of like pay your money to this company, get your credits, you know, report them and move on. And uh, I saw a real opportunity there, you know, for people to actually get quality education, to potentially even enjoy the educational process and to come away a little better prepared. So um, that was kind of the beginning of it. You know, I realized it very early on, but it took quite a while to realize that, you know, we can actually do something about it. So what what kind of material do you guys have to stay up to date on? Is this just kind of brushing up on stuff you've learned before? Or is it updating you on the new uh, yeah. new developments in the in the industry? Yeah, so it has to be new developments. Um, that's kind of one of the uh, requirements. You know, it can't be stuff that you should have learned back in your basic education. Mm-hmm. So we do get some leeway to choose what the content is. Um, as long as it wasn't something that was learned in their basic education, uh, you know, we have to meet a few other things. But beyond that, uh, we can come up with anything we want, which is really great because we try to come up with content that's not only important, but also engaging and relevant and things that people would want to learn about. Yeah. So where does that typically come from? Uh, you know, mostly we, we get surveys from our users. So every time they take a course, we have to ask them some questions. And one of those questions is what else do you want to learn about? Hmm. And, uh, from there, you know, we get lots of responses. So we just kind of compile that with common sense. Um, like right now we have a coronavirus course, which is very popular. And uh, just kind of go from there and try to make sure that we stay current, hopefully more current than our competitors is the idea. Yeah, talk about, you know, the actual product. So yeah. talk about the website, how you guys have structured it, what, what's the differentiator. Talk a bit about that. Yeah, yeah. So one of the other things that I found super frustrating early on was the other companies, you know, the platforms, some were good, but by and large, they were pretty frustrating Um, it just kind of led to a a bad user experience. So from the very beginning, we knew that we wanted a user first platform, something that somebody could log in, get their education and actually just focus on the education and that content piece of it and not a cumbersome website that's going to have you annoyed before you ever begin. So the platform to us is huge. You know, it has to be intuitive. It has to be user friendly and it, it can't frustrate. So, um, we're not 100% there yet, but we started with kind of a blank slate of what we thought would work. And, you know, every month, every other month, we're making changes to make it a little better. So that's one differentiating factor, I think, is that, you know, our platform is evolving and it's 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 pretty easy to use. We get really good ratings on it, but there's always room to improve. Uh, on the content side of it, so we reach out to authors who are experts in a given field. So, um, you know, nobody's an expert on coronavirus, right? So we reach out to people who... Uh, know about infectious diseases and and have experience in pandemics that kind of thing and we have them write the course for us and then we put it through some editorial processes and ultimately we purchase that course and it becomes our content um, and the beautiful thing is really it's it's evergreen at that point you know we have to update it every two year, or every three years um, but besides that you know once we have the course we can upload it to our online platform and sell it as many times as we want What's the average course look like as far as length, session? What does that look like? Most of them are, uh, you know, we measure it in what's called contact hours. So that means how long it should take a normal person to read it. Uh, And most are about one to three hours. 
uh, that's that's probably the length of more than the length of most people's attention span. So we, we try to keep it, you know, in that range. Uh, you touched on it there for a second, but I'd like to go back to it. You mentioned COVID-19, which is obviously yeah. all anyone's talking about right now. Absolutely. Have you guys uh, d- implemented any different sort of strategy or put any new content that people are using right now that the nurses who are literally out yeah. there fighting right now, are, yeah. are you guys helping them stay up to date on what's going on? Yeah, absolutely. So we initially uh, launched the course and it was it was a basic course to be quite frank with you. It was just kind of, you know, this is a high level overview of COVID. This is right. the, the bare minimum you should know. And um, we launched it and initially it was a part of our package. You know, you had to purchase everything to get it. Uh, but we ended up making it free uh, because we had just That's a awesome. ton of, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's for us, it wasn't a big financial hit. So um, we had a ton of interest. I mean, we have, I think, last Sunday we made it free and I think we've had 600 signups so far. So wow. people, yeah. Wow. Dude, that's <laughs> and, crazy. Uh, yeah. The only slightly negative thing is, uh, you know, to get it out there, it's not easy. So we, we, we spend like 20 bucks in ads a day, which is, it's not uh-huh. really a big thing. Um, yeah. So we, we created that, but we're actually in the process of creating kind of a resource center for nurses. That's going to include a couple of things. And one is a, a really comprehensive course that'll probably be 10 or 15 hours because, you know, we know so much more about this disease now and there's so much more to it than just the disease. You know, now we're talking mm-hmm. about resource allocation and yep. how to use PPE and how to make uh, sometimes even difficult ethical decisions. Uh, right. These are all things that, uh, you know, we were kind of blindsided by and uh, nurses are asking, they're saying that we would like at least a jumping point there. What are other people saying about these topics? So we're yeah. definitely working to make that more expansive and then a resource center where they can go and, link up with some people who are doing some cool things like offering free mental health or some, some cities are offering free meals or some folks are offering to do grocery shopping for them. So they don't have to get out more than they need to, or they can just go to work. So that's Man. definitely under the works. It's not really a financial endeavor for us, but it's uh, I think it's something we can do that helps. So we're going to try to do it. You know, I'd like, to, I'd like to commend you on doing that. And one of the things I've noticed about Kentucky startups, um, not just in Lexington, Louisville too, is how much people are willing to help right now. I think Awesome Inc. sent out a newsletter at the beginning of August, and I'm sure this was not not even a complete list, but I think five startups that are taking steps to help out the community in some way or another. So I I think that's awesome that you're finding a way to do that. And it it sounds like that's probably one of the most robust and most effective ways to help out right now is helping people literally in the hospitals fighting it, is is educating them and helping them to realize what this is, how to fight it, and all that. I love the resource allocation part of that too, because that is, that's probably one of the biggest barriers that I'm hearing about right now is running out of masks and PPE, like you said. So yeah. that's, that's awesome, man. Yeah. I appreciate it, man. I mean, we're, we're trying to do our part. Um, you know, no, nobody can obviously relieve all these things that we're going through, but if everybody chips in a little, it'll be better anyways. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Um, just to kind of end the topic on, I'm sure we might, we might bring it up again, but who knows, but while we're talking about a coronavirus, you know, from your perspective, being a nurse and being on the front lines, give us like what what they're going through right now and what you your perspective on this from from actually being a nurse. Yeah. So, well, uh, I should say I'm not on the front lines. I don't work clinically anymore. But, you know, most of my friends are nurses and, and yeah. I'm pretty connected. So um, in Kentucky, it's not terrible at the moment. But um, in some places like New York City and uh, Washington, California, New Orleans, um, it's definitely unprecedented. It's unlike anything we've ever seen before. You know, you have 
Uh, some of my friends tell me they're working 16 hours and they get to go home for, you know, seven, eight hours and then they're right back. And that's, you know, five and six days a week. And uh, you know, they're having to isolate from their family members. And at work, it's, it's difficult because they're making difficult decisions. It's, uh, you know, normally in nursing, there's this ebb and flow generally of, you know, you have some people who have bad days and some people are having okay days and just need some help. But uh, with this, it's, it's a lot of people having a lot of bad days. So it definitely takes a toll. Yeah, I imagine so. Yeah. Let's um, let's get into acquiring users because obviously the more yeah. nurses you get in front of, the more you can help them, especially during these times. How are you acquiring users? You said earlier you're spending money on Facebook, you know, advertising, $20, yeah. what was it, a day? Um, uh, that's just yeah. on the coronavirus, yeah. Okay. Talk about, you know, from, from day one to now, how you've approached acquiring users. I think that's one of the toughest parts of, especially at B2C, yeah you know, startup, creative platform. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, So, um, you know, beginning it was all paid ads. We've had the most success with Google and Bing, uh, not so much with Facebook for whatever reason. And that could just be our skill level. But, um, so yeah, at first it was a hundred percent paid ads. And so now as of last month, when I was looking at the data, we have, I think it's about 60% paid ads and about 15 or 20% word of mouth. And then about 15 or 20%. 20% organic search. So uh, I knew early on that we really needed to make word of mouth and organic search a bigger part of our, uh, you know, acquisition. So uh, it's, it's been difficult, especially the organic search. We're still not nearly where I hoped we would be after a year, but uh, it's encouraging to see that things are picking up. So that's, that's kind of the primary routes right now. Got it. And, you know, one of the things, I can't remember if you mentioned this during your five across pitch, but You've been harping on it, which is your user experience. Yeah. Have you been tracking NPS? Uh, not familiar with that term, actually. I apologize. Okay. No, no worries. It's just it's basically just tracking uh, whether or not people refer other users to oh. your platform. You know, word yeah, of mouth. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Just wondering if you were tracking that. Well, we do. Uh, so we do have a question. I, I told you about the survey we give them after all the courses, and, and one of the questions is, "Would you recommend us to a friend, yeah. to a fellow nurse?" And the response rate on that is about 97% yes. So um, it's probably not as robust as some other tools, but it does tell us at least nurses like the platform and if given the opportunity, they would recommend it. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, okay, so how many, let's talk about like where you guys are at now. Uh, yeah. Talk about the stage you're in, users, um, and then we'll get into a couple more questions along that same line. Yeah, yeah. So um you know, right now we're at a funny place because uh, early on uh, I did everything. I did the support for users and uh, edited the courses and, and kind of, you know, just the, all the thing. Like, like I think it's a regular startup type thing. But uh, as we're adding more users, I think last month we added 1,200 paying users. Um, it's getting a little bit beyond what I can, can do on my own. So uh, we're kind of in a transition phase right now where I'm looking, uh, you know, how do we get tech support but equitably? And how do we find someone to do some of these other uh, really important tasks like course quality control and maybe even sourcing courses and all that stuff. So trying to figure out how we do all that and still make sure that we stay pretty profitable is is kind of where we are right now. Um, We're looking at hiring some folks, uh, but with all of this, I've kind of decided to wait and see exactly what happens. Yeah, smart. Um, you, You had shared user numbers for your five across pitch, yeah. where are you guys sitting now? Uh, you know, we have, I think, 7,600 users. Um, but of those uh, 
several hundred are non-paying the coronavirus course. I haven't teased those out yet. So I'd say yeah. around 7,000 or maybe 7,100 paying users. That's amazing for one man team. That's, yeah. that's pretty incredible. That's um, unbelievable. I'd, I'd like yeah, to hear a little bit. Of, I'd like to hear a little bit about how you went about actually building the platform itself and the development yeah. side of this. Where'd you, where'd you go for that? Yes. So I'm not that proud about it actually, but <laughs> uh, initially uh, I used uh, Fiverr and that's not a hack at the website, you know, but yeah. um, I used Fiverr and I used um, someone from another country who, who had uh, limited English skills. It wasn't his fault, but the, the first uh, version of this website was, was not that good. Yeah. Um, it was littered with bugs and issues and uh, you know, we were working in different time zones and that kind of thing. So <laughs> um, it, it was kind of a process. So we rolled that out and then obviously lots of issues before I even made it live. So um ended up, you know, kind of doing a little more research, starting over from square one and, and hired a developer who was pretty well vetted. And um, really in the beginning, it was, I was looking at the user surveys daily to see what was frustrating users. In the beginning, it was a lot of stuff actually. And so I would look at that and just make a list of, okay, we need to improve on this and this and this. And, and also compiled the, the support requests we got or the phone calls and said, okay, these are obviously hot button issues. And we've got to narrow it down now to about three or four things which we really need to improve on to to really dramatically improve the experience. But at first, it was probably 15, 20 things. So it's definitely been a process. Right. You mentioned you're not proud of that, but I think that's awesome because most, <laughs> most people would be like, that would be paralyzing to them of, okay, <laughs> yeah, where, where do I start? Yeah. How do I find this? You were just like, yeah. I'm sure I can find someone on Fiverr and that's you went right, and did yeah. it. And you know, that's starting is one of the biggest yeah. hurdles that you, that you can get over as an entrepreneur. So I think that's, I think that's a cool story to say that, uh, you know, I, 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 I kind of hacked my way to it and now, you know, you're sitting at, you know, a bunch yeah. of users that are, are paying and you're ready to <laughs> scale it up now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. I was just kind of being a, uh, not very uh, penny wise at that point, you know, I was trying to look <laughs> yeah. for the lowest cost option and that. Yeah. That's what you're supposed idea. to do. That's what you're supposed to do at that stage. That's you didn't, awesome. you didn't have any entrepreneurship experience prior to this, right? Well, uh, you know, not significant, but I did start a dog walking company a couple of years ago. It's, it's more of a laughable venture really than anything, but, um, yeah, that didn't go very well, but I learned a lot, honestly, about <laughs> yeah. what not to do. So, yeah. Man, that sounds, that sounds a lot like my drone company. I kind of just started that because <laughs> it was kind of turnkey. I was like, you know, drone photography, you can make some money there. Yeah. I just wanted to know how to run a business. But I think exactly. those kind of experiences are really important to when you yeah. find an idea you really want to latch onto, like what you've done now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it at least gave me the, you know, the basic understanding of, you know, how to open a business and, you know, yeah, get the incorporation and all that kind of stuff. So absolutely. it probably broke down some mental barriers that would have been there otherwise. For sure. Cool. What What has been your big, you know, this is your first, it's not obviously your first successful venture. If your last one was yep. laughable, um, what have you learned on this one? What, what's your biggest learning and takeaway? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I had to ponder on this for a while, but, um, the one thing that I, I've really learned that's, that's held true from the beginning until now is that, um, execution is the most important part of any endeavor. So in the beginning, um, I might have had an idea and got super excited. And I think that's natural and probably good to keep your, you know, your energy going. Um, and I confused um, execution with efforts. So I might have spent 12 or 14 hours a day hacking, hacking, hacking at something, but I hadn't properly thought it out before. Uh, 
so what I found for me anyways is that anytime I have an idea that's that's not you know straightforward it really pays to do a lot of forethought and think about how am I going to execute this and how am I going to pivot if need be um, and, and that's really been important for me because like I said in the beginning I had a lot of effort but I think a lot of it was inefficient you know so now I realize that I have a lot of good ideas everyone probably has a lot of good ideas but the idea is only as good as the execution and execution is not the same as effort at least for me yeah did you have any practices any um, processes that helped you make sure and kind of enforce the fact that you were executing or making progress did you have ways to track that progress talk about that yeah, definitely. So uh, not anything rigid, but I do a couple of things different now. So um, again, you know, for things that are straightforward, they're straightforward. But if they're not, I try to bounce it off at least one or two other people. Um, and no matter how rock solid you think it is, um, somebody always adds something, you know. Uh, it may not be fully valid always, but it's it's always a, a good consideration that someone adds that you didn't think of. And the other thing is, you know, I try to um, make sure that I have a goal or a metric. So uh, for example, I think like four months ago, we redid the landing page, which I know sounds trivial, but for paid ads, you know, we're paying like four bucks a click. So that really needs to perform. And so <clears throat> in the beginning, I would revamp that thing like every other day, you know, because I was just like, oh man, I can get it higher, higher, higher. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I did it this time, you know, I had a very, very uh, different approach. I did a lot of research. I looked at dozens of other landing pages. I consulted with uh, conversion uh, experts or, or whatever they're called, I'm not sure the exact name, but someone who helps you make sure that you're, you know, having a good landing page, a good user experience that's going to convert. And um, I was open to the idea that the new landing page might not convert as good, even though I was excited about it and I put a lot of effort into it. So when I rolled it out, I just watched the data carefully. And instead of before, where I probably would have maybe just believed wholeheartedly that it was going to be better and, and just hoped for a long time, or not look at the data, or maybe have made hasty decisions, you know, I gave it like two weeks and I said, you know, we're going to give it two weeks. There's going to be up days and down days, but we're going to see where it falls. So I think that's a good example of executing. Um, before I might've just put a lot of effort into it and I might've revamped it daily, which would have been detrimental ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. Now getting feedback uh, from experts and mentors is super important. It's yeah. one of the most important parts of a startup that I think Absolutely. a lot of founders overlook because as entrepreneurs and founders, you know, you tend to think, you know, a lot of people think that, you know, they can do it themselves or that's how it's supposed mm-hmm. to be. I'm going to do it myself. Yeah. And that's yep. just part of the grind. But, you know, the more people you can bring in and get their perspective and get their opinion and their expertise, you know, the better. And I think that's something commonly overlooked by entrepreneurs. Yeah. Um, I'd like to, I'd like you to talk a little bit about kind of your journey going into entrepreneurship. So you're working as a nurse. Yeah. Yeah. At what, at what point did you one, recognize the problem that you wanted to go after. And then two, when did you realize, okay, it's time to, to make this leap? And yeah. was, I mean, was that pretty scary to do? Well, um, you know, initially it wasn't scary because I didn't have any high aspirations. So it was just like, okay, if this works, it works. So, um, you know, I was working as a nurse, as a nurse practitioner for a while. And then um, there was a course that I needed that was a, a specialty course, meaning like only one person offers it in the whole country, right? So I think they were charging like 700 bucks for this one online course. That's like four hours, right? (laughs) So I was like, okay, uh, education can be very valuable outside of, you know, an academic institution. So my original goal was just to actually create a course similar to that. And, 
and to sell it, you know, which probably would have not really did that well because there's not that many people needing it. Uh, but anyway, so I created the, the platform initially with that in mind, you know, selling that one course and maybe a couple of other courses. Um, and once I got the platform created and I had some of these processes in place, uh, I realized that, you know, it's not that much more difficult to have a second course or a third course. So I ended up just kind of adding some courses slowly um, over the course of a few months and um, opening it up to just nurses in Kentucky. Uh, and, and I had good success, or at least I was happy with it, you know, at that time. So at that point I said, well, if we have this and it's evergreen material and we can sell it in Kentucky and a handful of other states, why not? So I opened it up to the other states. It sold pretty good. And from there, it just kind of expanded, you know, and I decided that this was definitely a worthwhile venture, you know. Man, it's really resonating with me, kind of the way you went around, the way you went about starting this company. It's like you didn't try to go mass adoption right off the bat. <laughs> you just were like, okay, well, let's test it here and see how it does. And not only exactly. that, but let's just test the idea by hacking it together. I just, the way yeah. that you went about doing this is it's kind of like the lean startup methodology when you take a step back and, and think about how you went about doing this. And I, I love it. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I could say it was intentional, but really it was just <laughs> kind of piecemeal. You know? It's all the experience you got from the dog walking company. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's it's jump in. For sure. Let's jump into Lexington now. Yeah. So we always like to bring it, you know, home and talk about, you know, what the city is doing well, what can improve. Um, You're in the Hamburg area, so um, you're here in Lexington. Let's talk about what can improve in the city, and then we'll get to what they're doing well. So what are some things you might have noticed so far that we could do better as an ecosystem? You mean like as an entrepreneur or startup ecosystem? Yeah. Yeah, like how how could the city support you better? you know, the major thing I would say is that it's it's just not very diversified in the type of companies that are here, you know. Um, I mean, at least from my limited experience, there's there's quite a few tech companies and tech startups and service-based startups and that kind of thing. Um, but it would be nice if people had maybe at least an appreciation for other ventures, you know, like education, for example. So, um since we're focusing on what needs to be improved first, uh, I'll hold back on the positives. But uh, I think a recognition that there are other types of business, you know, models or, or uh, industries that can be successful uh, that don't have to be in Silicon Valley or New York City to be successful. Um, that would definitely be a good start. I just think the, the openness is not necessarily there. I have some people I know who had other ventures and I think the ventures that resonate with people just get a lot more attention. And I think maybe we should try to move away from that and, and, uh, you know, move to the, maybe the businesses of more profitability, you know, if that makes sense, that's a little roundabout, but yeah, I mean the ones that are executing versus the ones that are, you know, maybe more exciting or make more noise. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, but, but overall, yeah, I mean, uh, I've not had a negative experience. Yeah. And I think, you know, to solve that of, highlighting other industries. I think that just comes down to what we're doing here, which is digital media. You yep. know, if they, if they exist, then we just got to find them and promote them, you know, exactly. on, whether it's on podcasts, blogs, you know, whatever it is. I remember uh, we had, we always do initial calls with our guests and we hopped on the phone with you, Shane, and you talked us through your company and then you, you told us about some of your numbers. And I remember Evan and I got off that call and we were like, What? How is like how is this not how has this not been talked about more? Yeah. So I mean, you know, we yeah, we love that we're able to 
shed some light on something that's yeah. got some got some traction like what you got. Yeah, no, I think what you guys are doing is exactly what's needed. Uh, you know, bringing light to companies that may not get it otherwise, and and just bringing exposure out there and showing that you know there's a lot of different industries that can happen right here in Lexington. For sure. All right, you said you were holding back some positives. Talk about yeah. positives. Yeah, yeah. So you know, overall, I'll say that. Uh, I was totally ignorant to the whole startup entrepreneur ecosystem of Lexington before I began. I didn't even know there was one, but, um, you know, since I've started this and especially since I've, I've met some people and, and did a little bit of networking, um, there's, there's a lot of resources here. You know, there's a lot of people who are definitely interested in getting involved, people who are interested in helping, um, a lot of great resources and awesome Inc. Like we're, we're in the fellowship there now, which provides a, a ton of great resources um, I didn't really expect that out of Lexington. I didn't expect much. So, <laughs> um, but there, there's just a lot here, you know, there's the, the weekly meetup at, at DVA and just mm-hmm. a, a ton of other opportunities that if you want to, that you can go meet people network. And in general, um, it's a really positive environment and everybody wants to help each other. At least is what I've seen so far. That's awesome. Yeah. You got to do the, the five across pitch competition. We haven't really yeah. mentioned that much yet, but I know right after that, uh, that's kind of a good place for us to get our guests to, but yeah. you, the, the cohort that you were in of five across was a, a super impressive one. I mean, we had the yeah. one about the, the gaming network that we're, we're trying to get on to, but yeah. I think it was actually the best I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we yeah. actually talked about that afterwards, but, um, yeah, just events like that where you can get out in front of people and talk about your ideas and then that's how this happens. And then, yeah. you know, it's kind of a domino effect that it can, yeah. it, the water falls down into who knows where. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I forgot about five across, but uh, yeah, that was, that was a fun experience too. And it was, it was really great because you've got a whole room full of people who are interested in your idea and you get their attention for five minutes, which otherwise would never happen. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's, um, you know, to to end, let's look at, let's do a forward looking statement. Um, where do you want and where do you see, uh, nursing CE central going? Where where do you want, what's your vision? Yeah, so the vision um, is really to become the number one provider of nursing continuing education. Um, you know, we want to be the largest. We want to be the company that nurses go to naturally, like, you know, people go to Starbucks for coffee. We want to be the Starbucks of continuing education. There's always going to be competitors, but we want to be the natural option. Uh, so for us, that, that involves a lot of work, and, and it definitely involves team building. You know, we need to get some other team members on board, some people who are excited, passionate, and, uh, you know, ready to, to do that work because it's going to be a lot of work. Um, the biggest thing we need really is to, to scale up, to get more courses and, you know, add more users. And I think word of mouth is going to be uh, the most scalable, you know, option for that. So how we do that is uh, is still up in the air, but that's, that's kind of where we're moving towards. Yeah, awesome. Well, that's awesome. And, you know, we're really happy we can get you on here. You know, like Logan said, when we got on that first call with you and, you know, we had heard that, you know, there's just not as much awareness as we had expected around yeah. your company. It's great that we can get you on here and hopefully yeah. you get some people reaching out, wanting to join the team or helping in any way possible, yeah. whether it's, you know, development, funds, whatever it is, you know, hopefully we get some more attention on you and that, that helps. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I definitely appreciate you guys, man. This is great exposure and I love what you guys are doing.